everyone, and welcome to Is It Really? The podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith-Michaels. And I'm Mitch Dupree. And today we're discussing Miracle on 34th Street, that Christmas classic, and asking, do you believe in Santa Claus? So fellas, tell me, why did we choose this question? Mitch, years ago, we were talking best Christmas movie, and Mitch was telling me about Miracle on 34th Street. I'd never seen it, but he was pitching it to me like this courtroom drama, like Law and Order with Santa, and I was like, well, that sounds awful. And then I bought it during the Christmas season, watched it, and just immediately fell in love with it, and now it's it's a classic in my household. It's one that I watch every single year, just one of my absolute favorite Christmas movies. I think, uh, Zach, you and I had discussed Miracle on 34th Street a couple years ago, and at some point, you know, we're... What's you know? What are your favorite Christmas movies? And we're discussing it, and then I realize that we're talking about two different movies, <laughs> and that's probably the first time I realized that there is an older version oh, of wow. my 1994 favorite. Yes, hmm. and I didn't realize there was another movie about Santa Claus other than Tim Allen's classic, The Santa Claus ah. One, Two, and Three, until but, I was uh, you know at least like 14. So. It's important that we discuss the two great Santa movies of the season. I don't want to hear about Tim Allen. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> y'all are bad people because y'all watch my crappy show on FXCMT. <laughs> Last Man Standing Millennials are oh. killing it. Instead, I don't like uh. my crappy humor. Hey, man, he's got some. He's got some juice. He got his show brought back. You want to talk about just a terrifying Santa Claus? Have you guys seen A Christmas Story? Yes. Ho, ho, ho. I'm glad Zach has, because no. No is the answer. You have not seen A Christmas Story with Ralphie? My aunt is in that movie. Oh, A Christmas Story. You said A Christmas Story. I thought A Christmas Carol. And I'm like, which one? There's like 40. Right. Okay. No, no. Uh, the Red Rider BB gun and... Yeah, the boot of God coming down from the heavens to <laughs> yeah. smush him down That to guy Earth. is like if Polly were Santa. Ooh, can we talk favorite Santas? Because I've got, I've got like I've got eighty nominations, all of the Santas and Jingle All the Way in the warehouse. I feel like my definitive Santa is definitely uh, Richard Attenborough from 1994 Miracle. Yeah, I feel like when he hops up on the sleigh on the float uh, Thanksgiving Day and he's on Dancer on Prancer, I'm just waiting for him to be like, "Welcome to Jurassic Park." <laughs> I do wish he'd pulled out a present at some point and went like, "Spared no expense." <laughs> that would have been great 1947 1994 which version do you fellas lean towards i'm a sucker for classics man like movies in black and white um i love 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 natalie wood and edmund gwen in that i think that that's just two really terrific performances in a christmas movie i am absolutely leaning towards 1994 for one reason dylan mcdermott <laughs> Or Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> All right, no one else knew that SNL skit. All right. <laughs> Fine. Just me? Okay. Uh, Mitch? It's 94 for me for one reason and one reason alone. It's the one I've watched more. You got that cast. John Hammond, CJ Craig, Matilda, Hans <laughs> from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Listen, anything with Alice and Janney has my vote. I know. I mean, if... If if Dylan McDermott were not in this movie, I would it would still be my favorite because Alice and Janney makes an appearance. 
And she, her, I tell you, no one's got it. How long what, was it? A minute, maybe two. Maybe it was like probably my two favorite minutes from the movie. I mean, it was just fantastic. Dayton Holla. When they do commentary tracks on the West Wing, they make a lot of uncomfortable uh, mentions of like Allison Janney's like classic Hollywood looks. Like like she yeah. looks like she's from a different time. That always she looks makes like me a fifties movie star. Yeah, she does look like a fifties movie yeah, star yeah. though. And in this movie, I'm like, whoa, you do belong to John Hughes's world. <laughs> Listen though, if I if I spent as much time as Allison Janney does with her eyes wide open like that, <laughs> they would fall out. The original is beautiful. I've seen it a few times. Uh, but you know, it's like an old black and white movie. It feels a little bit like a chore sometimes to watch. There, it's a Wonderful Life doesn't feel that way to me, but Miracle on 34th Street, the original version, does feel a little bit laborious to sit through. I don't know why, because you're right. It's like almost the same movie as the new one, but it just feels slower to me. I need color. You can't watch movies without color. Oh, Mitch. So. I thought I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> Repent. When you're, when you're thinking about Christmas movies just across the board... Nostalgia wins out. Yeah, for me every time over quality. What movies did you grow up watching? What movies? I mean, you just think back. I watch these same movies every year. Um, nostalgia wins. Yeah. I almost wonder if like Christmas movies don't actually have to be good for you to love them. Movies like Christmas with the Cranks. Uh, Four Christmases. Uh, there are so many bad. Deck the Halls. These are bad, bad movies. But if it's on, yeah, sure, I'll watch sure. Because I'm I'm cooking a ham in the other room, or in my case, you know, laying on the couch, not doing <laughs> anything. Cheetos. So I might as well watch it. Yeah, eating eating chips. So yeah. I might as well. On June 4th, 1947, Fox Studios released Miracle on 34th Street. That's right, a Christmas movie in June that would go on to earn $2.7 million and an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. The award was given to Edmund Gwen for his portrayal of Chris Kringle. And on November 18th, 1994, John Hughes penned a remake with the original film's writer, George Seaton. The film received a polarizing reception, with reactions ranging from curiously depressing to this is a new holiday classic America's been waiting for. Well, let's hurry down the chimney and unwrap this package. Yeah, in 1947, like, her being divorced is, like, the worst thing she could do. And there's also that scene at the parade when she has a little alcohol herself, and everyone's like, <gasps> Mrs. Walker! And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was, like, a much bigger deal back in the day. I think in Miracle 94, uh, it's given maybe 30 seconds of explanation. They were young. He was a drinker. It was, I felt like they loaded him up with some, like the, the typical, you know. Oh, do you remember the scene when he's sitting on the bench? Yes, the I did. Santa? I, it's, absolutely. It's so clunky. I love this movie. but It is very clunky. All of a sudden, he's just dropping exposition. Yeah, I've gotten some some clippets of her life, but I, I just don't know, Santa. Piece together over a dozen conversations and... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Why do we think they remade this film? I'm not sure that a remake to update the um, the look is always 
super necessary. I mean, I'm not going to speak for John Hughes. May he rest in peace. But um, I feel like the original holds enough water on its own. Same, The same with um, It's a Wonderful Life. No one's come anywhere close to that one. You know, right. it's and it'll probably be that way forever. Right. Well, yeah, that's an interesting claim to make about the, the look, because at least in John Hughes's remake, it looks like it's in the 50s. They're wearing clothes a lot of the times that, yeah. uh, you know, seem somewhat classic. But uh, the only way you can tell it's the 1990s is uh, Dylan McDermott is uh, drowning in that suit. <laughs> There's something about the classic era of the of the department store mm. and how just that downtown NYC look and even like p- take your pick 4794 both have that just classic department store some something that has been lost in the era of online shopping um, I I don't even know if does, does Santa uh do like I mean I know that he makes appearances somewhere you know and um, in malls at my work Brandon yeah it's mall, like depressing like it's, it's, outside it is, of JC it is Penny the, uh, it is the era of the mall but I would even say we're we're a, we're a step removed from that yeah. I think I almost I almost feel like the the era of the mall um, is is coming to a close also and it's all about staying in your jammies and um, you know, doing all your shopping from, you know, from your couch yeah. and something refreshing and delightful about the um, classic department store and just that, the, all those Christmas feels going on. I wonder, now that the age of the mall Santa is coming to a close, where will children experience Santa? Yeah. You know, now it will not be a personal experience. I feel like it won't. You won't have that. You know, I met Santa Claus. I went and saw Santa Claus. Unless, um, unless your work is throwing a party and they have Santa, and you can bring your kids, and it's some kind of specific, very you know, uh, tight group like that. But um, there will not be like. You know, we're going down to to Macy's, and if you're from Dayton like I am, we're going down to Lazarus or Elder Beerman, and um, we're we're going to go see Santa, and we're going to do shopping, and they've got the little the little Tykes um, store set up where you can go um, through the special little door and do shopping for your parents, and that's over, that's done. I mean, I re- I have vivid memories of of these experiences, and um, that's something I won't be able to do um with my kids yeah i don't think that it's a a tradition that we've like as passionately upheld in the you know and just the age of the internet where all your christmas stuff is is online could i also say that the children in um at least the 94 version are dressed beautifully yes yes these are upper class and that's and that was my and that was it, I was going to try to uh, get your guys' thoughts on that. Is this a wealthy area? Is that is that what we're experiencing? This is not the New York that I know. By if, any okay. I will say though, if you're at Macy's and you're getting your picture taken with Santa, 
you're in New York City. Your parents are probably doing doing pretty well. Like I can't even look at Macy's without getting a nosebleed. So I can't think of one not white kid in the <laughs> crowd in the '94 version. Can you, Brandon? I'm being serious. No, the they're all, no, they're all white. Abso- they're all in peacoats. They look they like they all have their hair perfectly parted and hairsprayed, that... and they're all yes, they're all wearing peacoats. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed was these all these kids <laughs> they have look like scarves, little um, Benedict scarves and wool. <laughs> these are not the kids I'm used to running into down at the Target. I want the Christmas movie where it's like a kid in a Pokemon T-shirt with a Tootsie Roll stain on it, uh, you know, wearing Heelys. That's a 1990s version. I'm dropping on you right there, but like, I just say like, where's like, where's the average kid, you know? But I mean, 47 also, I don't, I mean, none of us were there, but in those movies, like, even when they're at home relaxing, it's like, oh, time to put on my home suit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, it's... And just speaking of the, the sets a little bit, did anyone else seem like, I, I'm not super familiar with retail, but the, the, the chairman's office at Kohl's in 90, the 94 version <laughs> looks like it belongs you know to should belong to like a lawyer or um maybe the president of the united states like it was it was just it was very and he has the fire rippling in the background and all everything's oak and i was just like i don't i just don't i'm not familiar with like new york city flagship stores but new york city is all about consolidating space that office does not does not exist. I don't know, you guys. These are very powerful toy cartels. So, <laughs> and then and then we kind of we go over across the street to uh, Shoppers Express, and um, and their chairman Victor Lamberg seems like he um, he should be the next Bond villain. He's uh, he's he looks like he should be up there like stroking a white cat. And hatching a plan with his two henchmen. And talking to Gordon Bombay about it's a shame that he quit playing hockey. You said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Bobby. Come right in. Hello there. Good to see you again. It's nice to see you. You're awfully lucky, Mrs. Walker. Lovely little girl you have here. Thank you. And Susan's the reason I asked you to drop down. She's a little confused, and I thought maybe you could help to straighten her out. I'd be glad to. Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus? That there actually is no such person? Well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, no, no. You misunderstand. I want you to tell her the truth. Uh, What's your name? Miss Kringle. I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second. I mean your real name. That is my real name. Second grade? It's a progressive school. Oh, it's a progressive school. I love how he just absolutely begins ignoring her. Yeah. Just Be- begins ignoring yeah. Mrs. Walker. He has... He has... There, There is a child in our presence. I have absolutely no time for adults yeah. right now. I, I need to find out more about this delightful girl. Yeah, and I just love her so much because... She is kind of the kid you would write off, like, you know, if you were, like, talking to a bunch of kids, you know, there's the one who's, like, you know, missing their teeth, who's telling you these cute stories. But she's, like, this girl who is very serious and stern, probably gets overlooked all the time by, like, her teachers. And she even says that later on in the movie, like, you know, the kids were playing pretend and they tried to play with me, but I don't know what stupid stuff they're doing. I don't want to play with them. And he's, like, telling her, like, no, like, you know, you, you have to... 
use your imagination. So I just love the idea of like, here's this girl who is overlooked, who's had to grow up too fast, and he's just trying to salvage her childhood. Yeah, OG 47 is just lighter on the whole. It's a lighter... Um, I, I, 94 has a lot more um, serious, um, a few more serious notes to it, and um, just very, it, it takes itself seriously um, in portions. And this one's just, it's, it is just light. Yeah. Um, and Santa, Chris Kringle, 47, is just a nice and friendly character. And um, when he cracks that guy, um, on the head, it almost seems like it came out of nowhere because it's like this guy is too nice to take a swing at right. anyone. Um, when Santa ninety four takes a swing, now I, you know I have a whole other list of things that I chuckle at in that scene. But when he takes a swing at at the man in the in the alley, it seems a little more like yeah, he's got a little bit of a temper yeah. like. That's one of the first things I notice is he marches right up to that man um, on Thanksgiving Day, accuses him of drinking, starts dumping out his 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 liquor, and is very he's he is very aggressive. And in the and likewise in the courtroom, when he has those couple of explosions, it's like yes, absolutely, he's probably used to having to like defend himself, and he's just kind of sick of it. It's it's just like a it's too completely different takes on Santa Claus. Yeah, and I will say, I think a character that is really missing from the 94 is Alfred. If you don't remember, Alfred is the little, is the janitor at the place where, at Macy's, and he tells Santa, like, hey, sometimes I like to go to, like, you know, the children's hospital or the orphanage, I forget where it is. And he says, and I like to dress up as Santa, you know, I just like, I like the kids to feel good. And then the psychologist has like a meeting with him and he's just like oh you you like to pretend to be santa you're sick in the head and then santa goes in there and he's just like how dare you make this again like kid because the kid's like 17 in the movie santa just cares so much for people it's not yeah in the 94 it's more that guy's like hey kids this guy's not santa that guy's a big fat fake and santa gets mad and in this one he gets angry because you know, this kid who's just trying to do something nice and is just trying to be good. The doctor's telling him, you're doing a bad thing and you need to stop. And that's what, what sets him off. Which is much more plausible also. He's getting upset. He's defending someone right. else, someone else's honor. He's getting upset on behalf of someone else. I've... I don't want it to sound like we're talking trash about, uh, about John Hammond. Because he is, I think, gives a really great performance uh in in the remake oh he's much more dynamic on the whole i feel like he has more ebbs and flows and um more of a more of a range um whereas the uh the 47 santa is kind of like one or two notes the scene with him and the deaf girl is i crying like a baby every Mm. time i think it's a very and Again, not to get too uh, psychological here, but just subtext is everything for me. In the 47, when it's the little Dutch girl, you know, there is that thing where she's living in an orphanage, you know, that that can't be easy. And she's in a country where she doesn't know the language and Santa speaking Dutch with her. It's that, you know, it's that taste of home for her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, 
but there is that element of well one day this girl will be able to you know speak english one day she'll learn the language and she'll be able to kind of communicate with people whereas here's this deaf girl who you know is never going to be able to you know there's always going to be that layer of of a communication between her and other people and just that scene where the mom is like you know you don't have to talk to her she's deaf and just that little moment that beat that uh Attenborough takes where he just looks so hurt that you know again that yes. the mom doesn't yes. believe that like you know he wants that he wants to talk to this girl and then when he just starts speaking to her in sign language and that little girl's face lights up like a Christmas tree it's just such a such a good scene see I took that differently I took that almost as a Santa was caught off guard for a moment he didn't know what to do mm-hmm. and then and and I think that's what makes that that even more powerful for the the audience is we're you know we're back here thinking oh gosh he doesn't know what to do yeah. and and then he just starts rolling into this sign language and it is the most joyful moment mm-hmm. um, and special special moment mm-hmm. and this girl you can see just the joy she's not you she was not expecting to be able to communicate with Santa Claus and the mother was not expecting. Santa Claus to be able to communicate with her daughter and that meant the world to them. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, every other time when, you know, they go to see any other Santa or they go to any other event like that, that's the mother. Clearly that's a line that she's had to learn, like telling people like, you don't have to talk to her. She's deaf. You know, like that just rolls off her tongue so easily. You're not getting sign language at a mall, Santa. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. No, not at all. I just love the performance of Hammond, like the, he mm-hmm. he just has a such a tender spirit when he there's a joy in his eyes that really just really hits home for me. Yeah. Where in the original, it seems like the emphasis is a little bit more on whoa he can speak a different language. Right. Where it's actually like a nice character moment in the '94 of you know oh this Santa just brings joy to people. Just two beautiful scenes, though. You think I'm a fraud, don't you? Fraud is a bit too strong of a word. But you don't believe in me. I believe that Christmas is for children. Well, your daughter doesn't believe in me either. I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. Oh, but there is. I'm not just a whimsical figure who wears a charming suit and affects a jolly demeanor. You know, I, I, I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol of the human ability to be able to suppress the selfish and hateful tendencies that rule the major part of our lives. If you can't believe, if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. These are things that that anyone can take away and apply their lives. Whether or not you believe in Santa or not, that's not actually the question here. He's He's saying, if you can't take anything on faith, you're doomed to a life of mm. doubt. You know, he's a, he's a symbol. These are all these are all things 
that that anyone um, that anyone could apply. Um, yeah. I, I, it's not just about you have you have to believe in Santa Claus. You have to believe in me. No, mm. no. Yeah. You you have to have faith as a person in other people. Mm. The most heinous crime in any Christmas movie is a parent telling their child that Santa isn't real. So many of these Christmas movies, it's like some child is like, there is no Santa. Who told you that? My mom. Oh, she should be killed. Like, that seems to be like the the big thing in these movies. Whereas um, it's kind of glossed over in the first one, I feel, with the boyfriend character when Susan's just like, yeah, there's no Santa. My mother told me. And in the 47, he's like, oh, well, that's a shame. And then in the 94, when she, Mara Wilson's like sad about it. She's like, you know, well, my mom told me that there's no Santa. And my mom, you know, has my best interests in mind and she cares for me. So I'm kind of bummed about it. I love that you, you, you bring up how the, how Susan reacts to it. Yeah. Uh, Cause she, she in the 94 is questioning things. Right. right. And there's this tension between, uh, what she wants to believe and what her mother is teaching her. Uh, and I love that Santa respects the boundary. He's a good he's a good mythical figure. He says, I would never, you know, ask her to believe. Kind of like what you were saying, Brandon, you know, he doesn't he's not making them believe in him specifically, and he doesn't want to get in between a mother and daughter. Right. Um, but you know, he just wants to um, help them with their doubt yeah, I, and i don't like depicting doubt as something that we need to be saved from i think doubt is healthy but it is crippling in the lives of these two characters for sure i think um i buy the 47 cynicism a little more whereas it seems like that element isn't it feels like they don't commit to that element in the 94 because in some moments she's very um distinguished and you know that kind of character and other moments she's just not i feel like that element isn't balanced quite as well i don't know what you guys think no i yeah i disagree i think in the 94 it feels like mara is uh she's like a parrot she's just Mm. saying the words that her mother has given her nice right yeah and that's what children do they don't understand you know, half the time, you know, the, th- the things that we teach them, but she knows what to say. Brandon, why don't you talk about Brian Bedford? Who's Brian Bedford? I, Brian Bedford is Dylan McDermott's character in 94. <laughs> no. And I think he is, he gives a, he gives a fantastic Probably a little too serious performance. He's taking himself very seriously. One thing I will point out, um, that scene in uh, Dory Walker's office, when he invites her back to his place to test out some mistletoe. Why don't we come back to my place and try out some mistletoe? Just just felt a little... I really can't Just a little iffy. He he can't get his Mac on at Christmas, y'all. Come on. No, I do feel like though he moved on from it pretty smoothly. He's a good-looking guy. I'm I'm not saying. Have you seen him? I will. He's a very good-looking guy. If I looked like Dermot Moroni, I would make moves like that all the time. Oh, Mitch. Listen. I I do feel like the uh, the Fred Gailey character is more of a Jimmy Stewart Mm -hmm. type. I was. 
uh, a little more bounce in his step. Sure, perhaps. I was gonna say and... I do like I do like uh, you know the the ninety four iteration of that character more because right. I feel like he's just right. the nice guy next door. And when he um, and when he does propose, if that's what you want to call it, <laughs> it was not a proposal. And I think I think because. I think they were able to like there we're not going to have him get down on his knee right here because we're like we kind of know what happens. It was just like a half proposal. Yeah. Okay. So All maybe that to he say, deserved to get the ball spiked down in his when, face a little bit. When she drops the guillotine, it like it, it hits you pretty hard. I, I feel like it hits like I'm like, uh-huh. "Oh my gosh, this guy is a fantastic guy." Uh, well, I do take issue with his proposal where he basically says to her like, "Hey, I've been in the friend zone for years. Here's an engagement ring. Let me out." Like, he was like, I'm going to love well, you even if you don't love me. Yeah, I don't like the blame. Yeah, I don't care puts, for that. That's, that's bullcrap. Yeah. He takes it a step too far if he had just kind of, you know, shuffled on sulked away and mm-hmm. licked his wounds. We would have kept feeling like, you know, sorry for him. But no, he kind of has to, like, this is these are all the reasons why you shouldn't say no to right. me, you know. Now, this movie is not kind to its female characters. And, and I will say, I do think that, that a, a large difference between 47 and 94 is, for me, 47 is about Santa and Susan, whereas 94 is very much about Mrs. Walker and Brian Bedford. Mm. And I want a little romance at Christmas. So sure. That's why I like 94. Yeah, well, you know, all I want for Christmas is you. You want to go back to my place? There's some... Uh... I feel so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I feel like you're going to come through my computer and get me. <laughs> Let's wrap her up. So when I take a look at these movies as a whole and I, you know, ask myself, do I believe in Santa Claus? Which movie's my favorite? Um, for me, Christmas is all about nostalgia and what you grew up with. I'm not sure when. I became familiar with the uh, 1994 version of uh, Miracle on 34th Street, but it was the first one um, that I that I watched, and it was at an early age, and it has since become a staple around my house um, during the holidays. It is it is a compelling story to me, and, and and yes, I go back I go back to nostalgia, and that is why I like 1994 better. Christmas time for me is really a, it's a season of remembrance. Um, it's about remembering, uh, you know, the birth of Jesus. And uh, it's an invitation to be more generous to, um, you know, stop thinking about myself for a little bit and to really um, be the person that you, you kind of always want to be uh, the whole year round. Santa as an embodiment of that kind-hearted um, kind of ideal that we kind of strive for. Uh, the Santa, for me, that I just comes to mind when I think of who is good and pure, uh, it is John Hammond. He has this quiet um, compassion and this uh, pure, simple joy. Uh, and that's that's the essence of Christmas to me. It's... Um, all of those great, wonderful things. So, uh, who who's my favorite? It's '94. It's John Hammond for the win. Christmas time means laughter, toboggans in the snow, 
caroling together with faces aglow. Stockings on the mantel, a wreath on the door, and my merriest Christmas needs just one thing more. Edmund Gwen as Santa Claus. Again, uh, hearkening back to the beginning of the episode, I Santa, not a big deal in my house. Just from an early age, kind of wrote him off. And at age, I don't know how old I was, I was like 21, 22, when I saw the original Miracle on 34th Street for the first time, there was that, you know, element where I watch this man who just wants to, you know, love people and who wants to take care of people and who wants everybody to be happy. He cares so much for Susan and Alfred and, you know, even John Gailey, just everyone he meets, he's so, so kind towards. And it's a thing I want to believe that we all have um, that ability that, you know, during the Christmas season, just just during all all seasons, all the time, just to be kinder to each other, just to, you know, love each other and, you know, to just, you know, care about other people. And if, if Santa represents that, then I'm, I'm totally down with that. And for me, 1947 Academy Award winning actor, Edmund Gwynn, who took home the Oscar for that role, he is my Santa. that wraps our episode on the miracle on 34th street films thank you for joining us if you have a minute like us on facebook we can be found at the is it really podcast and give us your opinion we would love to know how you feel about our episodes and any weird movie opinions you may have and don't forget subscribe on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and if you're feeling good please give us a rating and a review we would really appreciate it. We will be taking a break for a couple weeks during the holidays, but we will return after the new year with an exciting lineup of episodes for you. We'll see you then. Oh.